Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Namaste, my radiant, my joyful, my soulful mamas. I'm so happy that you're here. But let's be real for a sec. We're not always radiant, joyful, and soulful. Yes, maybe when we're listening to this podcast, but sometimes we are downright grumpy. We are tired. We are sleep deprived. Yes, the part of the journey of motherhood that is not so pleasant is the sleep deprivation, but Every one of us has experienced it. It doesn't matter what phase in motherhood you're in at the moment, whether it's the newborn haze or a toddler regression, or you have a preschool who's scared of the dark, or maybe it's a child that's older who's just having issues with falling asleep or staying asleep. Sleep issues are so common for children and even for adults. But sleep is so essential. If we want to be more present, more patient, more peaceful, sleep is so important for parents, but it's equally important for children, for them to learn better, for them to be more calm, for them to be more emotionally balanced, for us to reduce the tantrums that sometimes are caused by their lack of sleep or their inability to fall asleep or stay asleep. This is a real issue that affects so many families. So today we're talking about sleep, your baby sleep, sleep training, your sleep and sleep regressions. So often I get questions about sleep issues. And yes, I do help with mindful parenting, but honestly, I am not an expert in this. And so I had to enlist an expert to help answer your questions. I am a mom just like you. I struggled with a toddler sleep regression with Rehan a couple months ago that was so gnarly and it was so unexpected because I never had to deal with that with AM. He was sleep trained at six months and he was a great sleeper ever since. I did not know that toddler regressions are a common and a normal thing. So I have to be very honest with you, it caused a lot of confusion, anxiety, worry, because I didn't know what to do. And so Diana Martins, a friend of mine who I met through Instagram, reached out to me and we talked about the issue and let me tell you talking to a sleep consultant was the best thing that I did because I only did I feel like I had a plan I felt like my nerves were more calm I felt more confident and that energy was felt by Rehan he certainly was feeling my anxiety and my nervousness because I was confused and didn't know what to do and within a couple weeks literally actually less than two weeks it was back to a normal way of sleeping. He was starting to go back to his pre-sleep train days. And it's just remarkable how you have a plan and you have someone supporting you, how it shifts your energy. And so I truly recommend if you're struggling with sleep training, it is so crucial to get the help, not try to figure it out on your own. There's so many experts out there based on what we're struggling with that it's worth the investment. So I had to invite her on the podcast to talk about her We Sleep method that she uses to help train babies and toddlers and older children 
and to answer all your questions. So I shared a Q&A box for so many of you who had sleep issues and sleep questions and oh my gosh, I got so many responses. So I categorized them into the most common problems and questions that you had and I'm hoping that this will give you a space of getting some understanding of what's required to create healthy sleep habits, but also to inspire you that if you really truly do need help to give you the courage and the confidence to take that next step, to work with someone like Diana, who's a sleep consultant that can help you in a short period of time create healthy sleep habits. So just a little bit about Diana. She is the mom of two boys, but when she was a first time mom, she had a baby boy who would not sleep. She soon discovered how necessary sleep was to a healthy lifestyle. And she started to take everybody's advice, except the brandy one. And she tried almost every gadget and nothing worked. And so out of pure exhaustion, she realized that she needed to get help and she invested in a wee sleep consultant. And she said that it was the best investment that she made. The success that she had after the two weeks of following the plan was so worth it. She became passionate that she wanted to share the We Sleep philosophy with other families who were struggling with their own unique sleep issues. And so that's what she does now. She is a sleep consultant and she's going to share her advice with us. And as you tune into the interview, this is what you'll hear. You're going to hear tips on sleep training infants. She's going to talk about how to deal with toddler sleep regression, how to set healthy sleep foundations and the parents role on sleep training because I know that sleep training can sound scary like the cry it out method but there's so many other ways of incorporating sleep training so she's going to go into that and so I'm really excited to have Diana on the podcast to be able to answer your questions so let's dive in. So I'm so excited today that we're talking about sleep. Sleep has been such a top of mind issue, especially with the pandemic, quarantine. Lives of our children have been uprooted. Our lives are uprooted. So it was only so natural for me to have a sleep expert on the podcast simply because so many of you guys ask me questions about that and sleep and behavioral issues are largely interconnected at times. So today I have expert Diana Martins who is a We Sleep consultant and she's going to help answer the most burning questions that you guys shared with me about sleep and what sleep training is, why it's beneficial for families. Thank you so much, Diana, for being here. I'm so excited to talk about this with you. Thank you so much for having me, Tejal. This has been um, definitely a dream come true for me. So I'm very excited to talk with you today. Well, you personally helped me. So I want to share with the listeners that, you know, both of my boys were sleep trained at a young age. And I will tell you the misconception that I had was that, oh, once they're sleep trained, oh my gosh, they're just good to go. Because that's like how my oldest Ayan was. He's always been a good sleeper. And then I had a gnarly toddler sleep regression with Rehan. And Diana, you supported me so much. Just even hearing just like your calmness and just like that is so important for parents to just know that there's someone on their side, that they're not alone. This is normal. Like, Gosh, that shifted my energy completely because I was so frantic, so confused, so nervous. So I can talk from personal experience of having a good sleeper and then having a child that's not that great of a sleeper and how like knowing the healthy ways of implementing sleep training is so beneficial, not only for our kids' behavior and for their health and their happiness, but also for our sanity too. (laughs) 
<laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So for you, you're specifically trained through a company called We Sleep. You're a We Sleep consultant. And I know that a lot of parents, when they think sleep training, they think cried out method. Like there's like this fear associated with it. And so I would love for you to talk about the methods that you use and how the We Sleep method is a little bit different than potentially what we think of just the simple like cry it out method. For sure. So the cried out method, first of all, I just want to say to parents out there, if you've done this method and it's worked for you, congratulations. Like that, it's literally just a method. So I don't like to place any kind of judgment. You use that method. It was best for your family at the time with the knowledge and resources that you had. I don't even like to say our method is gentle because I don't want to, you know, make uh, cried out seem harsh. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. It's just our methods a little bit more supportive, yeah. where in the sense that you can be with your baby as they learn how to sleep. So you're going to stay right next to baby. You can touch, you can shush, you can sing, you can hum, you can pick up, you can cuddle if you need to. Mm-hmm. So part of my coaching comes in where I tell parents what not to do that when maybe they're going a little overboard, maybe that's interfering, maybe that's overstimulating. But essentially with our method, it is different because you're not leaving baby, you're staying with baby. And that, especially for first time parents, that's a huge relief. Um, And when they feel relieved, they're a little bit more relaxed, they're a little bit more calmer, baby feels that energy, things usually go better on that first night. Um, So with our method, you stay with baby, you can pick them up, you can touch them, you can support them throughout the entire process. I think you're absolutely right. Like there is, there's different spectrums on this journey, but there's no wrong or right. There's just what works for your family, what works for your child. Every child is different. Like, as we said, like, you know, my first was an excellent, like he was just kind of like sleep trained himself almost. And the second one was, he's just a fussier sleeper. So every child's personality is different too. And, you know, the reality is, and I, I would love for you to answer, at least what I've heard is that crying is just a natural part of this experience. And um, is that true? Or is that, you know, what have you noticed is like crying is just something that's going to be part of teaching a child something new that's not something part of their skill is crying is just an essential part of the journey. Absolutely. So even though our method is supportive, I always caution parents, they will still be some tears. There is no way around that because baby's crying. They're frustrated because they're tired and it's a change, right? So there will naturally be some tears. That's the only way they can express their discomfort with change. With discomfort comes growth, right? So um, there's no such thing as a no cry method. I've seen some things marketed as that. I'm like, whoa, Um, stay away from that, but um, definitely tears, but you are there to manage those tears. You're there to provide that support, that security. You're crying. I know you're upset. I see you're upset. I know this is hard for you, but you can do it and you can cheer them on. So yes, tears come, but they go. They really go. It's so, so temporary. As you know, Tejo, like you go to sleep, they go to sleep fine now. 
Yes, absolutely. So for a mom who might be like on the fence, now I'm talking because there's different phases and I want to just kind of highlight that. So right now when we're talking, we're talking babies. So, you know, there's babies. There's also toddler regressions that happen. They could have children who are older preschool or older who are having some sleep issues. So right now I just want to say that like, say we're focusing on babies per se. And a, a mother is listening to this and she's wondering, do I really even need to sleep train? What's the benefits of sleep training? Can you share just a little bit why um, sleep training could help just behaviorally or emotionally uh, for the well-being of the baby? And let's start with baby first. Like what are the benefits for sleep training for a baby? Um, with So first of all, you don't have to do anything. Like you don't have to sleep train if what your current situation is, if that's working for you, great. But if it's not, if you're tired, if baby's always fussy, um, then sleep training is an option to achieve the recommended 10 to 12 hours of sleep per night. A lot of people don't even know that a baby should be getting 10 to 12 hours at night and plus naps during the day. So when you are sleep training, they're able to connect their sleep cycles all throughout the night. Hence, that is where you get the sleeping through the night. There will still be brief momentarily wakings, but baby's usually not even fully awake. So that's still considered sleeping through the night no interaction needed by parents, no support needed by parents. And the benefit is when your baby is sleeping 10 to 12 hours, they wake up, they're rested. You, you uh, You as a parent, you're rested. You can be more patient. You can be more present. You have your evenings back. You have some balance. And that is where um, I get my energy from is after working from a client, I just see how much balance they have in their lives. I was just talking to a client yesterday. She said, oh my goodness, Diana, thank you so much. I went to my sister-in-law's house. I could enjoy my wine. I felt like a new person. I felt like my old self. And it's just so... um, rewarding for me to see that change because I went through it personally, right? And I saw, oh my goodness, like I could see when my baby was hungry. It wasn't just always crankiness. It was clear hunger. It was clear diaper. It was clear, okay, they're tired. And he was just such a happier kid. Actually, with my older one, when I sleep trained him, the week after at 10 months, he started walking because he started to get that sleep. Mm-hmm. So it just supports their overall growth, their immune system. It supports their ability to uh, cope with change and uh, external stimuli. It supports the entire family. So sleep, not so much sleep training is essential, but sleep is essential for a family to thrive. And you have personal experience with this because what really drove you to this passion of becoming a sleep consultant is your own personal experience of having a child that was struggling with sleep. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey with that. So with my oldest, he never slept longer than two hours from birth until I sleep trained him. I did everything. I took him to the doctor. I thought something was wrong with him. We did ultrasounds. We did um, baby chiro. We did probiotics. We did x-rays. We did a urine sample. Do you know how hard it is to do a urine sample on a baby? Like, it's incredible. And I went through all of that. And then finally, the doctor, the pediatrician was like, okay, you can sleep train. And I'm like, okay, now what? Like, what do I do? And she just said, cried out. And for me, that was not helpful. Like, I was like, I'm not doing that. I will wake up every two hours if that's what it takes, right? 
Then I stumbled across We Sleep. And the first night within working with him, he slept 12 hours. This was a child that had never slept through the night. I am telling you, I was so mentally broken. My my marriage was suffering. I was I had like physical pain in my body. Like so I know when these parents come to me, I I can almost feel that because I've been through there and it's almost like I have PTSD from how bad this child slept because no matter what I did, he just he wouldn't sleep until I taught him how to do that, right? So it was a journey for sure, but I always believe our children are our biggest manifestors and it was because of him. I always tell people he was my most difficult client. Because of him, I've I've landed here. When when you've gone through that and it's like the crying, I know as a mother, like we all have that heart. Our heart of a mother is the same. When your baby cries, like you can literally feel like your stress, you know, your flight or flight immediately goes off. Like literally when they say that tiger is about to chase you, it's that same immediate sensation that we're experiencing. And also like from a parental standpoint, like, you know, that's releasing chemicals and hormones within our system that when we talk about, and you mentioned like, you know, when we want to envision ourselves as more present and more patient during the waking hours, you know, we have to be mindful of that, you know, that affects us, that affects our sleep, that affects our mood, that affects every aspect of our ability to be productive and just be happy and thriving individuals. So there's a component also there of, of course, we're giving healthy habits to our kids, but also for us, like you said, the balance, but also just emotionally, mentally, physically, just building our own ability to just be in a less stressed state. Yes, absolutely. It gave me the ability to parent the way I wanted to, right? So after I was getting my rest, I I felt healthy. I was able to work out. I felt I made better choices because I wasn't always just in a brain fog. Um, I was able to really enjoy my baby and I can even start like tearing up because I remember that moment of after getting that sleep of how I'm like, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Why was I robbed eight months of enjoying, truly enjoying him? I was just so tired. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I think so many moms can probably relate to that experience. Um, and I can say that from experience also, because when I shared on Instagram that I was having you on, and I was like, okay, question box, let's drop your, you know, your biggest questions. It was like pages and pages and pages of me to filter through. And so what I did was I compiled most of the common questions um, and the most popular questions that our, you know, people, moms had. And, um, you know, it was very interesting because it did break down. Like I said, it's a newborn, like wondering about like questioning, like when is the right time to, to, to sleep train to then toddler regression, like having a child that slept relatively well. And then like having this, like, 
uproar and like this complete change out of the middle of nowhere. And then there was another group of parents who um, were having older children, like preschool to elementary age kids who are scared of the dark, can't sleep in the room, coming into their parents' room um, and can only sleep with their, you know, with their parents. So it was like a different phase of life for all of these parents, but sleep deprivation was like the common thread. So I wanted to um, give you the opportunity to answer some of these questions that many moms have. And the first, we'll do it in phases because it might be the easiest that way. The first one, like I said, was moms wondering, when do you know when your baby is like ready and when to actually sleep train? Because they were confused, like what months? Is it like a readiness or a sign that they they have. Can you share a little bit about that? So a bunch of different things. By four months, they're generally ready. They're putting their hands in the mouth. They're starting to turn their heads. They're starting to do it on their own. Parents may not recognize those as signs of soothing, but they can actually do it. They're not crying with their hands up in the air like a helpless newborn anymore. They can do it. Um, So by usually 13 weeks, as early as 13 weeks, we start to see those signs and four months old. Four months is like the golden standpoint um, for infants. Um, For as the weight wise, um, we do want to make sure first and foremost that baby is healthy, uh, thriving otherwise, no other health issues. Um, Reflex. If your baby has reflex, I do not recommend sleep training until you get that under control firstly. Um, But other than that, um, do it when the parents are ready. Don't do it when you're kind of wishy-washy, right? Do it when you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And you make that decision. Um, That is the best time to do it because that is when the parents can fully commit and you will see the best results. Your baby could have been developmentally ready at four months, but maybe mom's not ready until six months. Mm-hmm. That is okay. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of uh, moms had also asked, like, because, you know, usually at that time, four, four months, parents are st- or moms are still potentially maybe breastfeeding around the clock or nursing or giving a bottle around the clock. Um, is there any, uh, is that, would you recommend talking to a, a pediatrician before um, just to make sure that it's okay to drop those nighttime feedings? Is that something that you look at in, into as well? For sure. Like I always say, like, get your doctor if you're ever unsure to give you that that opinion. Um, But for the younger babies, we can still keep a feed at night. It doesn't have to be like a full 12 hour sleep without eating, especially for the ones on the lower end of the weight. So my second child was actually on the lower end of the weight. So that's what I did. I I still formally sleep trained at 14 weeks, but kept a feed for him. When he hit four months old, he literally just stopped waking for the feed. He dropped the feed cold turkey on his own. I also want to just add that whether you're formula feeding or exclusively breastfeeding or pumping and and giving that milk, they will still be able to sleep through the night. So it doesn't matter however much they eat during the daytime. That's what supports them to sleep through the night. So you want to feed them as much as they want during the daytime. So come nighttime, they're full. A lot of people think that they do this dream feed thing. I personally, I'm not keen on the dream feed. I'll tell you why. It's because baby's actually not waking for that feed. Baby's not waking. So are you responding to baby's cues? Not so much. You're just trying to like, how would you feel if someone woke you up just to 
feed you a bowl of pasta or something. Like you'd be like, what? And if anything, you can start creating a habit there where if, if they're not waking for it, then I wouldn't, I would, I would leave it be. Got it. Got it. And if, um, before you actually like, you know, sleep train, are there any other like healthy um, sleep foundations that you could do for a baby before you like formally sleep train per se um, that can help support that? Absolutely. So the day you bring baby home from the hospital, you could start, you could start with a little bedtime routine. Um, You could start differentiating the difference between day and night. You can start um, having a nap time routine. You can follow their awake times. That's one thing I wish I knew way back when, when I was a new mom, is that a newborn can only be awake for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then they're ready for sleep again. So thinking back to all the visitors I had in the house to meet this, the, the crown jewel of the family, yeah. how he was like passed around. I was like, whoa, he was severely overtired, which probably caused a lot of the sleep issues that we experienced. So um, watching the awake times, following when baby wakes up, you feed baby let them hang out, and then they're back to sleep again. So, so quickly within those 45 minutes, they're back to sleep again. But that is setting the healthy foundation. As they get older, they will be able to stay awake longer and have those play dates. And you'll have those moments that you dreamed about when you were pregnant, right? But when they're a newborn, they sleep so much because they grow so quickly. Right. So much is happening, right? Because they're technically, it's like that fourth trimester. So they're still, you know, they're sleeping, they're growing, there's so much development till things that are happening. Great. So the next question is kind of like, okay, moving for moving towards like, okay, moving out of that infant phase and into the toddler phase. A lot of parents had the question. So how do you know what's the best age range to transition a child from um, a crib to a toddler bed or a bed? Because now this is creating a change in their sleep. Um, Is there like a particular like age range that 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 developmentally they would be ready for that? So A lot of people may kind of squirm when I say this, but under three, the crib it must be. Mm -hmm. And I say that, okay, maybe two years, nine months to be realistic. But (laughs) (laughs) to say that is that the child needs to understand this is my bed. Mm -hmm. I have to stay in it. And we want to have some kind of incentive. So if they can understand rewards, it will be easier to keep them in their bed. A lot of times I have two-year-olds talking like parrots. They talk so well, but that same comprehension piece simply isn't there. So it would be too early and actually unfair to the child to expect them when they're not at that level yet. I do try to keep them in the crib as long as possible. My second, I'm probably going to keep in the crib until he's a teenager. So (laughs) yeah. I mean, they can't get out as long as, I mean, that's like the best thing. It's like, you can't get out. (laughs) Sometimes we have issues where um, they're they're young, but they're climbing out of the crib, right? So again, we will try our best to keep them in the crib, whether you're using a sleep sack, whether you're turning the crib around, whether you're dropping the mattress right to the ground, you will try your best to keep them in the crib until they can comprehend that this is my bed and I can stay in it. The little, The toddler I've worked with, like the youngest toddler I've worked with in a bed situation has been two and a half. 
We moved Ayan at three and it was so much like it, it was actually a relatively easy transition because he was so excited about it. And like, you know, picked that kind of like the underwear thing, but you like pick out your bed sheets and your, you know, so it was a exactly. whole thing. And it was just like, uh, you know, it, it seemed like it was a very Correct. seamless like transition. Yeah. He was, he was three years old. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that, but that makes sense. So I, I felt like developmentally too, that was a good time to do that. Exactly. And usually by two, they don't really care. They don't have those preferences yet. But by three, you can get them really excited. You can get them to buy in, which is so, so important at that age. So when we're talking now, because you said like two, three, you know, like this toddler age, which like I shared, I had no idea that it's common to have toddler sleep regression. So um, I guess my next question, I know this is kind of broad, but the idea of like, okay, you've sleep trained or you, your child has healthy sleep habits and then they become a toddler and then something switches. I know that it can be very different for every child. I am very aware of that. But um, can you suggest or just share a little bit of information of potentially maybe why this toddler regression happens and potentially how to handle something like this if a parent is going through it? So one of the biggest um influx I get with toddler clients is because mom is expecting. And now all of a sudden they, they kind of panic. They're like, whoa, 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 we can't, we can't go on like this, especially with the new addition, especially with um, a toddler. They know, they know a new baby's coming. That can also cause a little sleep disruption. So when a new one comes along, it can cause a sleep disruption. Another thing is when they start talking and they start making sense of things that can cause a sleep um, disruption just because that is where they are right now. They are just, they just want to do that new skill all day, all night too. So in terms of handling it, um, it's back to basics. They go right back to basics, back to staying super, super firm on your boundaries because, um, that gives them that security piece is boundaries. Boundaries give them security, um, that security piece to know what they can and can't do. With toddler regressions, just wait it out. It can just take a little bit of time, but it's kind of like us, right? Like think about yourself when you are working towards a new lifestyle goal. You will get little events that'll throw you off, whether you have a work deadline that throws off your, your goal or whether you have a family emergency that throws off your goal. You will have little, little events in your life that'll kind of throw things off, but you go back to track. You can veer yourself back. And the same thing with the toddlers. They have little events going on in their lives and it's just veering them back onto track. That's all. It's just, it's maintenance after that. I wouldn't call it sleep training all over again, unless you've really, really gone backwards, but it's just adding that maintenance piece, which I think is important. And the good news is if you go through a, like if you work with a coach and stuff like that, you have those skills to maintain their sleep as they grow. Yeah, well said. And I think going on what you just said, I think having someone in your corner when you're confused, when you're not certain, I think there is so much to be said for that, that you don't feel alone and you have an expert. Um, and, you know, if you're 
if a mom's listening to this and said, is it really worth it? Do I really, can I just do it on my own? Sometimes when we feel lost, anxious, confused, we don't think clearly and those, that energy and those emotions kind of take over and having someone to talk to, we know that, right? Like having someone who can just like, like ease your tension down, create like a plan with you. It could be like everything, right? It just shifts your mood and energy and everything. Um, so I think, I mean, I can't stress enough and I just share that because just my experience with you of like how much that helped just take my anxiety down like 10 notches and like, okay, I can do this. This is normal. This is what I'm going to do. I have a plan. And then when you have a plan, it's much easier to not like be like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? Blah, blah, blah. It's like you can stay on course. And just like you said, like do the maintenance. I like that visualization, do the maintenance to like ride through it. And um, I can certainly attest to that, like, within a week, like Rehan was like back to, you know, sleeping through the night without waking up like every couple hours and crying. And, um, you know, it really, really, I mean, I could test from personal experience, it really helped us so much. And I'm so grateful to you for what you helped. So awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm also sharing all the time on my Instagram when my kids sleep go off the rails so people see that it's not a perfect thing. It's not that now you all of a sudden have a perfect sleeper forever. Like the other day, I wanted to touch on this a little bit because we're now locked down like virtual school and screens have increased incredibly, right? So I noticed my four-year-old started waking up again at night. 11, 12, crying and, you know, settled him back and stuff. I'm like, why is this happening? And it is because of the screen, because I took all screen away on Sunday, slept beautifully on Monday. So I do think that um, screens now, especially for the older children, because they're on it so much more, it does impact their sleep. Have you seen just like because of so many more kids at home, change in schedules, change in routine, have you seen an influx of clients coming in because of sleep disruptions just because of what's happening in our life right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. The pandemic has actually also made families turn a little inward and have that time to devote to their children and and picking up on those nuances. Wait a minute, like my child isn't sleeping enough and I'm so tired and how are we going to get through this pandemic and staying home if no one has a schedule, no one's, you know, on the same pace here. So definitely an influx of of people wanting to do it. Now, plus you don't have the added societal pressure of having to go here, there and everywhere with them. So you can really focus on just the babies, just your kids, just their daily schedules and, and how to really get them to thrive despite being in a pandemic. Yeah, I agree. And that leads me to like our next like age group of children, like, because I was very, very surprised that um, even my pediatrician, when I went to my pediatrician to talk about Rehan, she's like, I have a four-year-old, I have a six-year-old, and I have an eight-year-old. And my eight-year-old started coming into my room and sleeping in the middle of the night. And then after my eight-year-old started going back, my six-year-old started. She's so I, 
you know, you never like you never think about like, you know, older children, preschool and elementary school also go through like what you're talking about, like phases where there's situations where their sleep gets disrupted. And I saw like I think majority of the questions actually came from parents with kids who were uh, five and up of like, okay, like this is like abnormal for them to now like want to only sleep with us in our bed. And how do I get them back into their room? So, you know, have you seen an influx of that? And, you know, if you have children who are older, and when we before we started recording, um, you shared a little bit about an eight year old boy who was, you know, struggling. And I love the fact that you were you know, when they're that age, you were talking to him, you were obviously, obviously talking to the parents, but you were able to also kind of help him, um, you know, understand, you know, what's the, 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 the root cause of why this byproduct of sleep um, issues are happening. So I'd love for you to give us some um, feedback regarding that, if that's happening with older children, what to do. Yes. For sure. So with older children, make sure their bedtime's still quite early. So 8, 8.30, right? So that way they're not getting into that overtired piece. Make sure there's no screens before bedtime, um, at least an hour before bedtime. There's no screens. That was all check, check for the older boy. So he was sleeping with his parents and at that time, parents were like, okay, you're eight now. Like, I really want you to sleep in your own bed. Um, when I was talking to him, he said he's, he, felt, he felt afraid. And I find that is one of the biggest um, points that the older children will say is say that they're afraid. And parents normally will say, there's nothing to be afraid of. Don't be afraid. We're right here, blah, 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 blah. And it still does not address what the child is actually afraid of. So I asked him, what, what are you afraid of when you're in your room? And he said, I'm afraid of being alone. And then I said, okay, let's think about this. Can you tell me about a time when you're alone, but you feel happy? And he talked about playing with his toys. When he's playing with his um, blade blades, he's alone, but he feels happy. When he's doing his math homework, he's alone, but he feels happy. So I told him like, ah, do you see how you can be happy when you are alone and that just like let a little light off in his little head and he's like oh yeah like i actually can be happy when i'm alone because i'm alone at you know these points in my day and i do feel happy then the other thing is that he was talking about the fear of his closet or fear of something and then we had to really drill down to it and turned out he had a nightmare about it and it really scared him and it was it was only at that conversation, did his mom know he had a nightmare about a clown that he saw in a YouTube video? Like sometimes just having a third person really talk it through with them helps them open up that door. So now we know, okay, he's scared of the bathroom. Leave the bathroom door open all the time. All the time it has its lights on. So he gets an opportunity to look inside and see that there's nothing in there. You're not going to say, okay, that's nothing to be afraid of or anything like that. You're going to validate, say, I can see how that's really scary. Because I personally could see how that was scary, right? I'm just, my imagination's going I'm like this poor child, right? That is a real fear for him. So sleep was a byproduct of that. He was actually truly scared of something, hence, didn't feel safe in his room. The other thing I would add for my school age children was I always do affirmations. I am safe. I am brave. I can go to sleep peacefully and sleep the whole night. That's it. I always put that in for them because they can understand um, that concept and just saying I'm safe 
it just reaffirms that, right? Because the, what they think about does um, manifest, right? So I want them thinking positive things before they go to bed. I want them thinking that they can do it. Yeah, that's that's so powerful. Like how, because everything, when we think about when I have clients come to me and there's something behavioral and then you'll hear like the sleep, you know, the sleep issue. And then there's, you know, it's all interconnected, right? We can't, our children can't be our best selves if they're not sleeping well. And if there's something that they're seeing, feeling, um, you know, experiencing during the day that they can't process, it's, it's a cyclical thing. And so, you know, I'm so glad that you share that because I think a lot of parents just think, oh, I'm afraid of the dark or, oh, you know, I just don't want to be alone. But there's something deeper that's rooted in there. Um, Always, always. And I even hear parents say, oh, like for an infant. Oh, I think she's afraid of the dark. I think he's afraid of the dark. He's a baby. He doesn't have any fears. You you know, don't put that fear on on them because a lot of times it's the parents that are projecting onto the child and they don't even realize it, right? It's just things that have been passed on, you know, things that you hear. Fear is something that is taught, right? And that goes for all ages. Yes. And just also, right, we have to be very cognizant what with the news, with what's happening, you know, our children whatever they're hearing, even if it's bits and pieces and they're not watching the, you know, they're, they're keenly aware of the energy of what's happening right now. And um, we also have to be mindful of that because that could be affecting, right. Whether they're not able to process something, it's affecting their sleep. Um, Just so many moving pieces right now that's happening. I know it's, it's always hard to be a parent, but like right now it's like even more difficult because we have so many more other pieces and things to consider um, that's affecting our children. But that is so helpful. Um, And just generally when a parent or a family comes to you, how long does this like creating a new sleep habit or how long does that typically take? So for the infants, we actually have a 10 day program. We can actually guarantee by the end of those 10 days, baby sleeping through the night and taking um, their naps on their own. For the toddlers, I would say it takes a little bit longer, like the children out of uh, crib. Um, anywhere from about two weeks. I always tell parents, if you're going to try something, do it for a full two weeks. Don't expect it to change within a day or two days. Do whatever change you're going to do for a full two weeks, because that's enough time to decide at that point if it's working or if if it's not working. Um, But I even see for younger babies, it can take up to just three days and they're sleeping through. It's it really is kind of um, dependent on the child, obviously. But not that long, if you think about it. If you're changing an eight-year habit and two weeks, two that's weeks, nothing. <laughs> that's really nothing. Right? No, not at all. Not a long time commitment at all. It's just like you said, the consistency and just sticking with whatever plan that you've you know decided with your consultant. Um, exactly. Exactly. I feel like people don't really know what true consistency is until they start sleeping. Yes, that's true. Right. You don't realize how these different nuances. But that's why I think having someone on your side, part of your team helps because there's an accountability aspect aspect of it too. Um, That's my job. Exactly. (laughs) To to keep them accountable and keep them on track, um, which we all need because we have so much on our plate, so much that we have already to do. So, you know, working with, I always feel like 
Um, enlisting the help of someone who's an expert in an area that you may not know is like one of the best things you can do for yourself and for the other person because they're passionate and invested, whether it's sleep training or anything else. It's just like they're passionate about sharing their gifts and what their expertise are. And, you know, being willing to receive help moms, it's okay. Like it is, that is, that is part of our journey to be able to be like, I need help and accepting it with grace. It, there's just a beautiful, I think just a beautiful um, synergy that happens when we allow that to happen for ourselves. We thrive, our family thrives, the person that's helping us, I feel like they thrive inside because they feel that fulfillment of being able to be of service to another. Um, And especially something like this, I mean, sleep, you know, like to feel, I could imagine like if I was in your shoes, like I feel like so good, like, wow, I helped this family and like, it would feel so rewarding. Oh my goodness. I feel so, so, because these women that I help these mothers, they're not just moms. They have careers. They are doing their life purpose, right? Like some are doctors, some are, you know, lawyers, some are um, just different professions. Some are teachers. Like they need to fulfill their purpose. And by getting rest, I'm giving them back their energy. I feel like they're getting their power back. Yes, I love it. So what is the best way if, uh, for listeners to connect with you? And if they want to work with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm on Instagram, uh, we sleep, W-E-E-S-L-E-E-P underscore Diana, D-I-A-N-A. That's where you can find me. You'll find, I'm always posting things um, just to help other people. Um, I, you can email me. Everything is literally there. Um, so yeah, <laughs> click away. And you do, you do like these great like workshops, you put, you know, you post a lot, it's very inspiring. And everything will be in the show notes. So that if you want to connect with Diana, her Instagram, her website, everything will be there. But thank you so, so much for sharing your wisdom, your light, your, you're just such a breath of fresh air. And I can tell how passionate you are. Um, So thank you for the work that you do to help support us to know that we have someone on our team to, to turn to. Thank you so much for saying that um yes I am so passionate about this this is definitely like my my purpose for sure I I definitely get a lot of energy from my clients they think I'm helping them but in sense like they're helping me like I I feel so great but thank you so much Tejal for having me I appreciate it and um Thanks, everyone, for listening to me. Yes. So, guys, definitely check out uh, Diana's Instagram. And if you feel like you need help, this is your permission slip to go out. It's okay to receive help. And seriously, sleep will be the best thing, not only for your kids, but for you too. So sending you guys so much love. And until next week, bye, guys. If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven-day stress detox course. All you got to do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, fresh, and I come to them 
almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're gonna wanna have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, IndieBound, BAM. And you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner in learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.